0: With um, a little bit of a uh, small testimony. I had the uh, opportunity to speak at the men's dinner uh, recently, and it's so funny sometimes how things work out together uh, because what I I shared at the men's meeting was sort of appropriate for what uh, the the sermon that um, Dad asked me to deliver this morning. And so. I'm going to start off with a little bit of a, a testimony and share a little bit about um, where I've come from in the last couple of years and where I've, where I've been and where I hope to go. Uh, and so as many of you know, i spent a lot of years, about six years in ministry, doing youth ministry, and uh, I wouldn't change those years for anything. Um, my wife might tell you differently, but uh, I loved it. She hated it when I was gone. But for the most part, it was a very great time in our lives. Of course, Misty and I met at Bible College, and we uh, met pretty much a, just a couple of weeks into our freshman years at, at Ozark, uh, and then we've been together ever since, and uh, it's just been a, a, love, a love ride, if I can say that. I don't even know what that means. Um, <clears throat> it just kind of came out. I'm sorry. So... Uh, <laughs> But we've been together for about, oh gosh, like 10, 11 years now, and it's been awesome. I uh, haven't looked back at all. Uh, so in that time, I went to Ozark, and we we ended up, we did a lot of really great things while we were there. Uh, Misty was involved in deaf ministry, and I was involved in lots of other different activities with sports teams and um, camp teams and a lot of different opportunities that I was able to do, and so five years of being in Bible college, I had a lot of uh, really great experiences. Uh, about halfway through my time at Ozark, I was offered a part-time ministry position in in Kansas. Uh, that I I was there for about a year, and that was really great. Uh, and then that sort of c- came to a close, and I left that church, and or was was asked to leave that church. Uh, and then I s- kept studying at Ozark, and and the last semester of my senior year. Uh, I was offered a position in Mountain View, Missouri, and it was great, um, for the most part. Uh, the, that last semester was really hard because I'm not a very good student anyway, and then I had to do my last semester while being in full-time ministry, uh, and that was uh, not not good for me. <laughs> uh, and As is, uh, the, one of my classes was a, a readings course where I had to you know, say, Misty's already shaking her head, she knows I'm going to tell it. Um, <clears throat> it was a readings course where I, we had to read eight, was it eight books or ten books? Eight, eight or ten, eight, ten books. Uh, we had to read ten books and write five-page book reports over each book. Well, the semester went on and on and on, and I didn't read the books. <laughs> Until the night before that the papers were due. <laughs> And I didn't have the books, (laughs) so I wrote eight book reports from the table of contents from each one, and uh, and what little I could find on the internet. (laughs) Uh, And so the uh, the real stabbing pain from that was when I grad on graduation day, uh, the professor of that class came up to me and told me that I had the best book reports out of the whole class, and I'm like, oh, Jesus help me. So. Uh, so a a word to all the students in the room please don't do that (laughs) it's not it's not good for your health (laughs) so um, the ministry in Mountain View was a fantastic ministry Uh, I made a lot of really great lasting relationships with a lot of students but then something happened and the ministry at that church ended and we found ourselves looking for more employment and so um, one, one of the really amazing things—it wasn't necessarily amazing at the time—but one of the we can look back on it and see how amazing it is now—is uh, is how God was helping us throughout the whole process. We had just had our baby, and we were sudden—I was suddenly out of a job, uh, and <clears throat> it came about. Uh, there was January. And we had paid the mortgage on our house for February, but we, ha- we didn't have the money to pay for March. And we knew that. Uh, and so something had to happen. We had very gracious neighbors that I believe God led into our lives that bought our house and l- allowed us to move. Uh, it was like their fourth house that they had. so <laughs> you know. um, But they-, they graciously bought our house from us, and we were able to move. And we didn't have anywhere to go, so we came here and lived with Mom and Dad for a little while. And that was hard for two 27-year-olds with a baby living with my parents, her in-laws. Uh, I'm sure that was difficult for her. It was difficult for me. And so something had to happen. And I knew something had to happen. So I, I did something that I hadn't done in a lot of years. I actually went out and got a job. <laughs> and I worked at Target in, in Tulsa Hills for like two months. And it paid the bills. Uh, it was my first experience in retail. And that was something. So, so then I was offered a job at Inola Christian Church as a youth minister there. The church is fantastic. The people were great. We fit right in. Uh, and for about a year, everything was great. And then something happened. Something happened started to happen in my mind and in my life that changed things. I began to experience bouts of depression and bouts of Uh, not knowing what was going to be in my future. And I've come to since realize that a lot of what I was experiencing, I I can only attribute to spiritual attack. And so what I was experiencing was extreme dread and fear over what my future was going to be, about getting older, about dying, about Jesus coming back. And I thought for a minister to be fearful of Jesus coming back, there's something not right. And so I met with the elders, and I said, look, this is what's been going on for a little while. I want you to know that I'm experiencing this, and I want you to know that this has been a part of my, my life for several months now, and I'm struggling, and I know it. And I know it's starting to affect my work. And so the next morning, they came in and, and said that it was probably time for me to leave. <clears throat> and that was very hard for me. And that was very hard for me to understand why a church would do that. And... <clears throat> And I certainly don't want anybody to think that I i mean ill of I know a Christian church because it's, it's a fantastic church with fantastic leadership, and I have since come to understand that that was not the reason that I was let go. There were so many other reasons that they felt that I needed to maybe collect my thoughts and collect myself first before I stepped back into ministry. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> through all of that, um, I was... <laughs> we had made a lot of great friends while being at Inola and a lot of uh, great relationships that we still have to this day. Uh, one of our friends sent me a text message one day and she said, you know what, there's a, there's a position at Apple that you should apply for. And I had worked on computers before. I'd never owned a Mac before then. Uh, I, I didn't really know a lot about Apple. And she said, you should really apply for it. And I said, all right, well, what is it? She said, it's a genius role. I was like, what, what is a genius? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> and so I said, you know what, whatever. That's fine. I'll apply for it. Who knows? Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't. Whatever. So I applied for it. A month and four interviews later, I was offered a position as a genius at Apple. And that was a really amazing thing to happen. The, the store took a very big chance on me because I didn't really have any technical experience. And I was told many times that the entire reason that I was hired is because I had the ability to communicate with people. And that's what they were looking for. And so I was really gracious for all my time in ministry and where the paths that God had led me down in my past in ministry because it allowed me to succeed in what I am doing now. And so one of the things that really bothered me throughout my years in ministry was the fact that I had so much fear and so much dread about what my future was. I'm better now and I've gone through um, some personal, uh, some, some of my own personal things and I've sort of sorted out what, um, what I was struggling with in the past and so now I have a better focus on what I know I need to be and what I, where I need to go. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is getting unstuck from our future. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about getting unstuck in certain areas in our life. And so this morning, we're going to talk about getting unstuck in my future. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. What an incredible verse to talk about getting unstuck from your future, because what it really all boils down to is, are you trusting him to know your future? I've heard it said a lot of in, in the past that, wouldn't it be great if God showed you a glimpse of where you were going to be in five years, 10 years, 25 years? whatever it is, if God were to show you just a glimpse of where you would be, wouldn't that just be perfect? (laughs) And I think, yeah, maybe it would. But if he did, would we really be trusting? Because God has called us to be obedient and trusting in him. Thank you. And so if God were to show us a glimpse of what we're supposed to be or where we're supposed to go... Would we honestly be trusting that he has got the plan all sorted out for us? Because God calls us to lean on him, and we'll talk about that here in one of our points. But I think there's four approaches to my future that lead to being stuck. So if you see in your bulletin here, we've got those four blanks there on the front. The first one is worry. Worry. Four approaches to my future that lead to being stuck. The first being worry. Are you a worrier? I know that uh, I have a great experience with people who are worriers. <laughs> she knows I'm talking about hers. It's, it's okay. <laughs> worry is probably one of the most um, hard, thi- the, one of the hardest things to get over when you talk about getting stuck in your future, because worry is the one thing that constantly makes us uncomfortable about what's happening in the future so worries secondly assumptions are we assuming that bad things are going to happen in our future are we assuming that we're not going to get that job promotion are we assuming that this our family member our friends are going to get sick assumptions second thing is planning without prayer planning without prayer one of the hardest things to do in life is make plans without seeking God's counsel first. Sure, we can make all the plans that we want, but what happens when those plans don't work out? And the last thing, and this 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 one will be really hard for me, and my wife will know. Procrastinating. <laughs> like doing eight book reports on the last night that they're doing. Procrastinating. It's a bad habit. It's a habit that I challenge all of us to break. Procrastination is difficult. (laughs) So let's look a second at what the definition of unstuck means there at the bottom on the front page, moving forward in my life because I'm willing to give God complete control. Hard thing to do. Hard definition. I'm willing to give God complete control. Now that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't mean at all that I'm willing to give God 93%. That's good. It's in the 90s. That's an A. (laughs) But if we're not giving God complete control over what our life is and where our plans are and where our future might be, then we're not being completely obedient. And we'll talk about, like I said, we'll talk about that later. It's a hard thing to do to say, you know what, I've made a conscious decision. I'm going to give God complete control over my future. Because I think the hardest thing about giving God complete control of our future is that we don't know what that will be. Oh sure, we can make all the greatest plans, but without God in control of our plans and in control of our future, where where really are we going? So how to get unstuck in my future? You'll see here in the, in the middle of your bulletin, if you're following along here, the, the first part. Number one, I want to recognize that I am stuck. So I think that what this immediately reminded me of when I saw this was any sort of um, program that helps you get unaddicted from something. You know, the, the the first step in any program is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> I am Jeff Phillips, I'm here to tell you I have a problem with my future. (laughs) Recognize that I'm stuck. And I think there's two things that we can really focus on when we talk about recognizing that we're stuck. What makes us stuck? How do we see, how do we recognize the fact that we are stuck? And I think those two things really come down to sin and circumstances. Sin and circumstances. You see here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness or wickedness. You see, sin, every time, holds us back from being where God wants us to be. Not some of the time, not half the time, not a fraction of the time. Every time, sin holds us back from being where God wants us to be. And so it comes, there comes a time where we have to recognize and realize that sin that is bringing us down, that has chained us in place because we're stuck in the present. We're stuck in the past and we're not focusing on the future. And so at some level at some point we have to recognize that that sin those chains need to be broken so that we can move forward. And then of course there are circumstances. Now sin a lot of the time is something that we can control. It's hard, it may be difficult, it may be really it may be real challenge to break those chains and break the cycle of that sin, but A lot of the times, it is something that we can control. Circumstances, not always something that we can control. Are you stuck in the past? Are you stuck in the present because of the circumstances that have surrounded you for the last however long? Circumstances like a family member who's gotten sick and you don't understand why. This person has been a great person all of their life. Given their life to to devotion to what God has taught them and where God has led them, and then all of a sudden they come down with an illness that they can't shake. Circumstances like losing a job or losing a family member or, or losing a friend, some of those circumstances we just can't control. But it's only until we realize that those circumstances are just part of the journey that we can move past them and get unstuck from worrying about our future or from being concerned about where God is going with what he's doing in us. Maybe the circumstances that he's presented in our lives that may be keeping us back from being focused on our hope and our future, maybe those circumstances are something that God is giving to us or testing us in so that we can be better in our future. Hmm. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses eight and nine says, we are crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. (laughs) What I love about Paul in in the scripture that he writes is that he doesn't really hold any punches. Paul brings it straight to the point and he says, listen, I know that the circumstances that are surrounding you have brought you down before, made you feel like you couldn't move on, but if you were to rely on God, the same God who raises the dead, how great it would be to live then. And so I said, I think the second thing that we need to realize this morning about getting unstuck from our future is recognizing God's faithfulness in my past. Recognizing God's faithfulness in my past. Psalm 42, 5 and 6 says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will raise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. When I read Psalms, I think, of course, of David, who had a lot of experiences with being stuck. And I think one of the things that we can pull from David's life was a time where he didn't focus on what God wanted him to be. Didn't focus on what God wanted him, the king that God needed him to be. And he pulled in another man's wife, and got her pregnant, and then killed the husband. (laughs) This is the king that that God appointed himself, that God himself appointed. God knew that this was going to happen, and yet God appointed David anyway as king over Israel. Israel. And so here was this man who had been called out by God to be king over all of his people, and here was David making a really bad mistake. And so God came to him and he said, you know, for everything that there is in life, there are consequences. Every decision that we make in life, there's a consequence. Sometimes those consequences are great. Sometimes they're not. And so for the choice that David had made... God took the life of the child that he had with Bathsheba. And so I I think where God had led David throughout his entire life to that point, God had been faithful all throughout David's life. even when David had made a mistake, even when David had been appointed as king and made one of the gravest mistakes that anybody could have made, God was faithful throughout the whole process. Sometimes it's hard to look back in our past and see where God was faithful. As I was sharing earlier, we had experienced a lot of really difficult times when we were in Missouri trying to transition, trying to figure out what to do next. I can remember long nights that we had trying to figure out where we were going to go, where we were going to get the money for this, or where we were going to get the money for that. And God throughout the entire process was faithful to us in giving us amazing opportunities. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 says, Understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps His covenant, or promise for a thousand generations and lavish, lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and who obey his commands. Understand that God is indeed God. You know, how often do, do we sometimes forget just those words, that God is indeed God? God that he's faithful and he keeps his promise. I think one of the hardest things in life is knowing what the knowing the difference between our friends and our our human companions who make promises and the promises that God makes. Have you ever had somebody in your life who broke a promise? <laughs> I like think we all could probably say yes. I know I've broken a lot of promises. And I think that that, at some level, begins to play in our minds that we're used to being disappointed by broken promises. And yet, what we have to remember is that God will never break His promise. God is always faithful, even when we think that He won't be. God is always faithful. And I think if you were to look back on your past and see where God has led you down the path that you're on, he was faithful throughout the entire process. Now, it may, not be the, it may not be the path that you thought you were going to be on, or you may not be at the place where you thought you were going to be today, but all throughout the journey that you've been on, I can assure you of one thing. God has been faithful through it. And so number three, we need to refocus my mind on the hope of heaven. Refocus my mind on the hope of heaven. One of the hardest things that I needed to do in my last days as a youth minister at Inola Christian Church was figure out that I didn't need to worry about my future. I didn't need to worry about what was going to happen to me. See, one of my biggest fears, and I have no idea why. When I was in the, when I was in the youth ministry here at River Oaks, when I was a teenager, I thought that people who were 25 years old, that was like ancient. <laughs> you were, I mean, ready for the nursing home at 25. <laughs> and then I turned 25. <laughs> and I thought, man, I am really old. <laughs> And then I turned 26 and 27. And now we're 29. And I thought, I'm 30 next year. <laughs> Where did when did this happen? <laughs> and the worst part was um and, and people ask me about it all the time, and I have no explanation, but I actually have my, my first gray hairs. And it's right here on my eyebrow. And it happened like in December, and I don't know why, and it drives me crazy, but those are my gray hairs. <laughs> And so it's happening. I know it's happening. I'm getting older. But one of the hardest things that I needed to do when I was in Inola and one of the hardest things that I needed to work through was not worrying about getting older because that's not something that I can change. Everybody gets older. Everybody reaches a level of experience in life that you just can't change. There's a lot of really great movies about making robotic body parts, but at some level, that's going to stop. <laughs> you can't live forever. And I, that was a hard, a hard hurdle for me to get over. And so what I needed to do instead of focusing on getting older and a patch of gray hairs on my eyebrow or turning 30 was instead focus on the future hope that I have. As somebody believes in what Jesus did for me at the cross at Calvary, I don't need to focus on the negatives of getting older. What I instead needed to focus on was the positives of reaching my Savior. And that was a hard thing for me to get over. What I needed to do was forget my past and focus on my future home. He sings it all the time, I'm not going to sing it, but this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. We are here temporarily as agents for him, and that was something that I needed to come to terms with. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You see, if we focus too much on what is going on around us or focus too much on what has happened to us in our past, then our whole judgment about what will happen to us in our future becomes clouded and full of worry and doubt. And I'm here to tell you as one who's lived through it, that's not a way to live. (laughs) If all your existence is, if every day you go through daily life Worrying about what will happen to you tomorrow or next week or the next year or when you turn 30. It's not a way to live. What I can tell you from my own personal experience is that the best way to live is focusing on the future hope of heaven and what God has for us and what we can do today to make the lives of those around us better with that hope. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Are you a worrier? Are you somebody who's constantly driven by what will happen next? Well, if you don't have a plan, if I don't have a list, what will happen? I don't know. I want to challenge you to put it away. Put the lists away just for one day. Just see what happens. Try not worrying for just one day and see what God can do for you. Now, it'll take a lot of help. It'll take a lot of prayer. It'll take a lot of partners around you and friends and family surrounding you with love and encouragement. But do it, try it for one day where you don't make a list, whether physical or in your mind. <laughs> just because you can't see it doesn't mean I don't know you're doing it. <laughs> Try putting away for just one day. Just one day, just don't make any lists. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. Don't worry about where we're going to be down the road. But instead for one day, focus on what God wants you to do that day so that your future home is being prepared. Fourthly, respond obediently to God's direction respond obediently to god's direction and so this is where we talk about the obedience (laughs) that's such a difficult word i think sometimes first peter chapter 3 and verse 12 says the eyes of the lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers but the lord turns his face against those who do evil One of the things that I've noticed, being a dad, is children don't always do what you ask them to do right when you ask them to do it. And it was a hard lesson for me to learn. And um, the, one of the har- even harder things is not necessarily um, asking my child to do something that she doesn't want to do right away, but it's when I ask her to do something in front of my parents and then she doesn't do it, and then they just laugh at me. Because they know that I was the same way when I was a kid. And that drives me insane. <laughs> because I know all they're thinking is, ha, ha, ha sucker. <laughs> I know it. They don't have to say it, I just know it. And I can say that because they're not here. <laughs> but I think one of the most frustrating things about being a parent is having to tell your child five six 28 times to do to go brush her teeth i just want you to brush your teeth (laughs) because if you don't they're going to fall out um but having to tell your kid so many times to do just one simple task but how often are we like that with god How often are we, even as adults, when God has asked us to do something or has given us direction to do something in our lives, do we sort of listen? (laughs) How many times does it take for God to tell us to do one task, even though it's simple? How many times has God asked us to do it? And it may not be an audible voice that you hear, God splitting the clouds open and his voice saying, oh, do this. How many times have you heard in a church sermon, go and invite somebody to church? How many times have you heard through friends and through Bible studies to read the Bible more? How many times have you heard this and that and this? And yet, some of us still struggle with doing the simple things that God has called us to do. I know I'm, <laughs> I am so guilty. One of those old jokes, those old preacher jokes says you know preachers don't point out in the crowd with one finger because you've got three pointing back at you and it's true so we point like this (laughs) but it's true i'm guilty i'm guilty of it how many times has god asked me to do one simple thing like not worry about my future and it took me so long to figure out that i need to not worry about my future delayed obedience is still disobedience Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. <laughs> I think out of all the promises that we've seen today from, from the scriptures in this lesson alone, i think that one speaks volumes if we would but do what god has asked us to do and live the kind of life at least try our very best to live the kind of life that god has called us to live and do the things that god has called us to do he will take care of us he will take care of all of those needs And finally, replace my thoughts with God's thoughts. For a long time, I was trapped in my own mind with my own thoughts. For so long, I didn't focus on what God wanted for my future. I focused on what I was worried about my future. I focused on what I thought was going to happen to me in the future. And it's no way to live. For so long, I battled with my own thoughts because I wasn't listening to what God wanted me to hear. And one of the most challenging things that I had to do was step out of the way and let let God in. How often do we take time to put everything away, to stop what we're doing, and just listen? We can shout over and over and call out to God and scream his name at the top of our lungs from the highest place we can find. But it, I think it's until we step back and are silent and listen that we'll hear him. I've been in shouting matches with God. He doesn't shout back. <laughs> God is a God who whispers. And God is a God who brings us a message calmly and quietly. And it's not until we take a step back and realize that we can't shout loud enough if all we do is yell, we'll never hear Him. And so... We need to come to that place where we take our thoughts and step those out of the way and let God's thoughts be our thoughts. Focus in on what it is that God needs us to hear so that we can not worry and not focus on the bad and the negatives and the terrifying things of our future. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says. One of the most difficult things for me was to figure out that all I was doing was copying the behavior of this world, was letting the circumstances that were around me and my own sin drag me down so far to the point that I wasn't listening anymore. <clears throat> And it's not until we will step back and let God start to transform our hearts and transform our minds that we can truly focus on what the hope of tomorrow will bring, the hope of what our future can be. As long as we will cling to what God has given us through his promises, through his word, through the people that we interact with. And when we start to focus on the hope of what tomorrow can bring instead of the worry and the terrifying things that the world is around us, if we start to focus on what God can bring us in our future and then take that to the people that are out there in the world around us, the world will truly be a better place as long as we don't focus on what we have done and the past of our, the sin in our past. If we start to focus on what God can do for our future, how great this world can be because the people will stop hurting because God will be in their lives and in their and their hope it will be in the future that god has for them we need to be focused on what god can do for us in our future so that people around us can have the same hope that we have the same savior that we claim to the same death and burial and resurrection that brought us life and brought us hope to give them life and to give them hope and it's not until we step out of the way and let god's thoughts be our thoughts and stop worrying about the future Become obedient to what God is calling us to do. Recognize that we are stuck. That we'll truly be able to move forward. Focus on that hope. Focus on what God has prepared for us in our future. You may not know what it is. And that's okay. And that took me a long time to understand. For the longest time in youth ministry, I had a lot lot of questions that were brought up to me about what happens when we die or, you know, how does God know our future? (laughs) And those are hard questions to to really answer because I don't have really great 100% yeah, this is how it's going to be. I don't have those kind of answers. And it took me a long time to realize that that's Okay. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to know every detail about what's going to happen next week or next year, 20 years. We don't have to know. What we have to do is know in our hearts, know in our minds, that God knows. Know that the God that we serve is a God who's going to take care of our needs as long as we follow what He wants for us. And it's when we hit that moment that our future becomes bright. That our future becomes full of hope. And that we would truly be unstuck and living life to the full. Father, thank you so much for the message that you've given this morning. Father, we We need your help. It's so hard for us sometimes to let go of where we've been, to let go of where we're going to be. And so, Father, our most fervent prayer this morning is that we would let go of the past, that we would let go of the future and that we would be obedient to what you have done in our lives in the past, that we would be obedient to what you are going to continue to do in our lives as we move forward in our future. Father, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And that's okay. Help us to follow that. Help us to focus on that. And we love you for what, you do. we love you for what you've done. And we will love you for what you continue to be and do in our lives. Thank you so much for your son and his sacrifice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.